welcome to the Amplify podcast, brought to you by the Rise Collective, an organization that champions young creatives and builds collectives at the forefront of social change. This series was created by the next generation of creative leaders and change makers. From exploring indigenous wisdom to entire worlds reimagined, we invite you on a journey into our emerging futures. Welcome and hello. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Amplify podcast. I'm your host, Geneva. Our theme for the podcast this year is Emerging Futures, a concept which I hope resonates with you for these times we live in. In the background as I speak, we have the pleasure of listening to Mahesh Parker on the traditional Indian tabla drum. I'm purposely drawing your attention here to the sounds of the tabla, because this podcast episode is centred around musical traditions in and around indigenous and ancient cultures and the place of these cultures in our discussions around sustainability, climate justice and the future which is emerging before us. So in this episode, we'll be hearing from Bao Bao Chen and Tim Cole, co-founders of the Small Island Big Song Project, which features over 100 musicians across 16 island nations from the Pacific and Indian Oceans. They describe their project as a musical statement directly from regions on the front line of cultural and environmental challenges. This is especially dear to my heart as one of Small Island Big Song's members, the brilliant Emlyn, shares my ancestral homeland, Mauritius. You'll hear Emlyn's song called L'Histoire Set, which means the story of our ancestors in collaboration with Putad, whose music is inspired by her Amis heritage, an indigenous culture from Taiwan, as well as some other music from the collective as well. We'll also be hearing from musician Michael Stanton, whose far-reaching experience with cultures across the world has informed his musical works. From there, we'll touch on the power of music as we imagine what sustainability will mean for the next generation of people in the global north. So I'd like to start with the thought that sustainability is an idea, which means different things to many different groups, organisations and businesses. And I want to iterate from the start of this episode that my intention today is not to provide clear-cut solutions or definitive answers that end this whole issue of the climate crisis. We've already seen these kind of environmental solutions being offered from the world of business over the past few decades and with hugely increased momentum over the past year, especially as corporations have begun aligning themselves with ESG goals in reaction to everyday people's concerns over climate change. So ESG stands for an environmental, social and governance framework by which corporations invest in these causes or ensure their funding will benefit the environment or society. It's been deemed a capitalism 2.0, if you will. There are lots of reasons why this approach has been questioned. On the surface and in line with the global paradigm, it could be seen as a step in the right direction. But many and perhaps too many of these sort of technocratic solutions are often perceived as greenwashing. As a quick definition, greenwashing in this context is when a company is dishonest about how much effort or impact they actually have on improving the environment or society. And there's a really useful video you might want to watch on this on YouTube from a channel called ASAP Science, which is called Why Being Environmentally Friendly is a Scam. (laughs) 
So when I've spoken to friends working in this landscape of environmental affairs and policy off record, they've also described firsthand the compromises and contradictions of these approaches. For example, carbon offsetting on British countryside and farmlands or indigenous lands across the world, or fracking or extracting minerals for renewable technologies. They just seem to be repeating the same mistakes of the past, which led us into this catastrophe. So to help us line up this current landscape with the historical context, we're extremely lucky to hear now from Chantelle Lunt, who is an anti-racist, feminist and human rights activist and educator, co-founder of the Kill the Bill Coalition and Merseyside Black Lives Matter Alliance. This is her poem called Pass the Mic, which was first read at the Just Stop Oil meeting on the 2nd of August. And I just think it's really relevant for the kind of topics we're starting with today. The Guardian came first, warden of the land, taking only what was needed, leaving behind not a trace, nor footprint, but a whisper in the ears of the youngers. We are here for a moment in time. Permitted by Gaia, the goddess supreme, she allows us to drink from her streams. Her conditions should be understood. To roam this earth, you must do good. Tend to the animals, replant the trees. Gaia has given us all that we need. But if our mother suspects any greed, from her wrath there will be no reprieve. Guard the land so all creatures can breathe. Then came the colonizer, Bible in one hand, gun in the other. The generous colonizer relinquished the chains, attacking brains with a heart and mind campaign, bringing glad tidings, a mission of morality, sailing away on a wave of grim reality. They held his Bible, but he had their land. Now we have the corporate monster, a slick devil, spawn of slavers and colonizers. His scale tail propels him into the middle of the ocean. Diving down, he sinks his sharp teeth into Gaia's exhaust of fresh. Sapping away her life source, drop by drop. Her roars shake the surface as her fever continues to climb. Unrepentant, the corporate monster swims landward. Matt is heard and snaring marine life in his wake. Unsure, he burps petroleum over parched forests, smiling in delight as it catches light. The corporate monster straightens his tie and slithers to the village. No need for weapons. His silver tongue whispers in the ear of the farmer. Feeding your family and village is not enough. You need more. The farmer plants the best for the West with no pests. The corporate monster grins as the last coin clangs, teetering atop his overburdened buffy hands. The crocodile grin widens at the next village he sees. His pesticides are working well. A turban farmer has fell. Pushing aside the body, the corporate monster admires his crop. He brings the widow good news. She can work off her husband's death, printing there is no planet B on his new polyester slogan T. The saviour carries the face of the world on their shoulders, determined to right their ancestors' wrong, holding a shield above the sea and sun, white cape billowing as they step into the fray, determined to find another way, so that Gaia might permit us to stay. Show here that we can leave no trace 
a recognition that we are here before her grace. Loud hailers amplify the voice of the Saviour, drawing others near, carrying a message almost here. Beaded wrists rise in the crowd. No megaphones, the ancestors taught them to be loud. Closed fists as the message is delivered. Eyes darted as each word cut with a thousand quivers. You stand here and say no more. Now the destruction is at your door. It has been on our land for generations and more. Brought here by the West, always assuring us they know best. Indigenous forests burned as native lessons went unlearned. Our children choke, yet our voices are overspoke. Standing here telling us how it is. Knowing not our ancestors' whispers when we were kids. Yet still we stand in allegiance on the front line while you position us near the cameras holding your sign. The sins of the father will not be forgotten. This war won't be won if you place us at the bottom. That pyramid must fall. Shoulder to shoulder we all stand tall. Now pass the mic. There's a phrase that's often repeated nowadays that we live in interesting times. It's said to be an ancient Chinese curse, but this origin story was most likely made up, used as a rhetorical tool, in a speech by the British politician Austin Chamberlain in the 1930s. So later in this episode, I'll be asking what could happen if we open up our imaginations to prioritise and take seriously ancestral practices and indigenous knowledge, specifically in this emerging future of climate justice, rather than using vague references to ancient curses, for example. Conceiving of the times we live in as a curse doesn't feel particularly helpful either. So David Wengro and the late great David Graeber recently released a book called The Dawn of Humanity, with a passage in the first chapter that I think is really relevant here. And it goes like this. If, as many are suggesting, our species' future now hinges on our capacity to create something different, say, a system in which wealth cannot be freely transformed into power, or where some people are not told their needs are unimportant, or that their lives have no intrinsic worth, then what ultimately matters is whether we can rediscover the freedoms that make us human in the first place. As long ago as 1936, the prehistorian V. Gordon Child wrote a book called Man Makes Himself. Apart from the sexist language, this is the spirit we wish to invoke. We are projects of collective self-creation. What if we approached human history that way? What if we treat people from the beginning as imaginative, intelligent, playful creatures who deserve to be understood as such? What if, instead of telling a story about how our species fell from some idyllic state of equality, we ask how we came to be trapped in such tight conceptual shackles that we can no longer even imagine the possibility of reinventing ourselves? Our emerging future is one that might make you feel scared, nervous or anxious. And that's normal. I recently read an article from Forbes Online explaining how the scale of the climate crisis can seem so far beyond our control that we become fatigued by the news cycle and just end up switching off from these issues. But it went on to highlight how visual art and comic books have become an effective tool for everyday people like you and me, as opposed to specialists and experts, to re-engage with these really difficult topics. So in a similar vein, the 
the Council for Higher Education in Art and Design in the UK, in collaboration with the University of Arts London, recently launched a project on climate justice and the theme of decolonizing decarbonisation, where they also suggested that art can engage and inspire us through cultural action and creative transformation. So on a small scale, for our podcast today, I have two intentions along these themes. The first is to showcase music from the living descendants of indigenous cultures, the art which they've created to communicate important messages about the climate crisis. And in line with the aims of the Green New Deal campaign, I think these cultural interventions help us to understand the historical context of greenhouse gas emissions and the continued extraction and exploitation of resources and communities in the global south. Secondly, alongside this, I really want to flesh out the basis of wellness that we're starting to see in the dominant culture, especially its aspects that relate to like revering nature and its benefits for our minds, because I really hope that this cultural turn is leading to an emerging future which more deeply reflects teachings from ancient cultures about a symbiotic relationship with the natural world. Religious texts from ancient India, for example, called the Vedas, feature a passage which says, Upon this handful of soil, our survival depends. Husband it and it will grow our food, our fuel and our shelter, and surround us with beauty. Abuse it and the soil will collapse and die, taking humanity with it. So, in our techno-centred modern life, I just want to remember the important relationship we all need with the natural world. And if we look to repair this breaking relationship, it really could mean creating a more solid path towards climate justice. I mentioned earlier the Small Island Big Song Collective and I'm so delighted to have caught up with Baba Chen and Tim Cole, co-founders of the collective while they were on the road in Australia. In the background right now you can hear their song Senesenai and Mapulyat featuring Sal Jaljui, which is spelled S-A-U-L-J-A-L-J-U-I. Their project spans film, music and live performances to unite seafaring cultures across the Pacific and Indian Oceans including artists from Madagascar, New Zealand, Taiwan, Mauritius, Marshall Islands, Papua New Guinea, Tahiti and Easter Island, amongst others. So let's hear from them on how their project actually started. It's a big story for us, which is coming to a 10-year anniversary, actually. Amazing. Yeah. Where it all began, which is when, when we first met uh, at the Darwin Festival in the northern part of Australia, I was there as the, I'm a freelance sound engineer, music producer and filmmaker, and I've been working on cross-cultural Indigenous projects in Australia and the Pacific for a few decades. And, nice. and one of my gigs was running the sound system for the Darwin Festival. Yeah, yeah and, and um, I, I, I studied business management, um, but I found out that, I just never really into just, you know, money making um, business. So when I got to Australia, I really sort of, I, I tried to, that was, was part of my gap year, um, trying to, to sort of re- rediscover myself and throw myself into somewhere unknown. Um, but I always have a really like deep love for, for arts and culture. Um, so I was trying to combine these two together. 
Anyway, we met at the Darwin Festival and just yeah. at that moment there were two adventures a, uh, ahead of me which we both went on and one was to Vanuatu, the island of Vanuatu, where I was invited to to work with um, the water women, the traditional percussion there on the Banks Islands to make a like a promotional DVD. So we're both there yeah, and there so we I, learned something amazing. Yeah, so I, I remember um, being there and, and, and the elder looked at me and he asked me, um, where are you come from? And I said, I'm from Taiwan. And um, he said, wow, I, I know Taiwan because our ancestors come from Taiwan. Um, and I was really surprised because I've never heard anything like that. Um, but then he continued to describe about the, the connection that Taiwanese indigenous people have with the um, Indo-Pacific um, in language, in culture, um, through the migration of the seafaring um, people. So, and then we went back to Australia and, and, and found out more about that. And in incredible, like the, that whole region, it's like off the coast of Africa where Madagascar is right across yeah. to that, what is it, the, the west coast of the, the Americas. Yeah. That whole area, the Indian Pacific Ocean, shares a common heritage, you know, that can be traced back to Taiwan over you know, 5,000 years. Mm. So just as we met, we went to Vanuatu and had that experience and learned about that incredible heritage of the oceans. And then we took all that from the island cultures to central Australia where I had a job at the Aboriginal Recording Studio, Kama. So we were there for two years working on that film and working with the Indigenous um people of central australia on different music projects and and it was whilst whilst we were there after two years we really w wanted to sort of put those two things together like voices and songs that sing about place that sing about land the that austronesian heritage of the pacific and and motivated by the ipcc report we heard the fifth ipcc report and while we we're out in the desert recording with um the, you know, song people of Central Australia, and yeah, and that's where we we've we had the inspiration to begin this project, Small Island Big Song. Yeah, it was after hearing the fifth IPCC report that we decided to quit our jobs um, and packed our everything in our in our in our car and just drove out the desert. Um, and you know that. That time we only had around five thousand dollars between us, um, but we had this big dream, and we took a photo um, on our way back to Melbourne, um, just saying, that, you know, this is the moment that you know we, we we're gonna begin smile and big song, and it was really like now looking back, that was about seven years ago. Um, now looking back, it, it's. It was pretty um, out there <laughs> with $5,000 and thinking we're going to cross the two oceans and recording with musicians yeah, and, and make a film, make a touring concert. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, we we really just stick on it and, and, yeah, make it happen. I saw as well, so from the first album, uh, one of the artists, and I really hope I don't mispronounce this, Yo-Yo Tuki. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah from, um, from Rapa Nui, Easter Island. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's a quote from them on the website saying that 
Um, in our globalized, computerized world, music can bring us awareness of who we are, our history and our values and our connection to nature. Um, I think um, the bringing together of the new, like with the new genres from the um, the present day descendants of these cultures um, and and like the, the, the bringing of the new with the quote unquote old or ancient um, alongside I don't know if, if you guys have noticed I think a kind of resurgence of like esoteric new age ideas some of it seems a bit superficial like with mindfulness for example which is such an important concept sometimes it gets bandied about nowadays without that kind of background I feel um mm. even with meditation things like that curiosity about spirituality I don't know if you guys have noticed in the spaces that you've been a kind of resurgence among young people about these ideas being curious about uh connecting with nature again and this idea that we are all we have that shared energy is that something that ever kind of comes up in your spaces I mean our culture our dominant western culture I mean it it is the culture we're immersed in that, that has driven us that I'm from, uh, but it's failing us. You know, it's not, it's not giving us answers. We, we are in the middle of, of this, um, you know, environmental breakdown and collapse, and yet we're not. It's not giving us the tools to respond with the urgency, you know, and, and the, the positive action which it demands, which nature demands, which future generations demand. So I feel like looking for cultural alternatives, looking for other perspectives. And, and this is one thing we really hope through the music that these artists who are embodying the cultural knowledge in their languages and their songs, a song like L'Histoire Zanset, which um, M. Lin from Mauritius wrote, uh, brought to the, to the songwriting session about her, her cultural background, background that her people were taken from their land through slavery, you know, and disconnected from, from land, from their custodianship, and the land too, you could look at the perspective, was disconnected from them, then brought to Mauritius, and and the, the, the roots and development, the relationships she's brought into caring for the land there and reclaiming, you know, her, her ancestral self, her, her cultural voice in, her, in this place, Mauritius and Le Mans and the story, Another artist, Bhutad, like absolutely related to that from the Amis people of Taiwan, but through colonization. Yeah, the, from it, like in Taiwan, although we don't we don't have slavery um, history, but the indigenous people their their land were taken by um, by the colonizing um, people. And um, that, that's why Puta was really inspired when she heard Emling's lyrics and um, she responded to her lyrics and, and it became a duo. And at the end of the song, um, you also hear Selena Lamb from the Marshall Islands. She, she was really inspired and wanted to add, it, add um, a quote by herself, um, which she delivered at COP21 about sea level rise, about 1.5 and, and how Marshall Islands, um, their, their land is also being taken right now, but by the, by the sea yeah. level um, and by you know, the, not responding um, this issue by the rest of the, the world. Yeah. So this theme that, you know, the land and, the, and its custodians have been separated 
you know, through slavery and then she's reclaimed that in Mauritius and through colonisation and in Selena's case, you know, through climate change. And yet as we, you know, we can reclaim that and the song is all about reclaiming that, climbing the mountains, climbing Le Mans and reclaiming the custodianship over the land. And that's a, that's a message for all of us. You know, we are all custodians of a place. And for me, um, my heart is in Australia and my understanding of the custodianship is through the Indigenous voices and, and their guidance and respect. But, you know, that's where I was born. And, and, and I hope to, through this project, to show that, that custodianship over, particularly over the, the Great Barrier Reef. Please enjoy now their song L'Histoire's On Set with Mauritian and Taiwanese artists Emlyn and Putard. So 
facilité pour Zotinibib. Sans souci. Zotin envilib. Platinib. Zotinité pour Zotinibib. Zotin envilib. displaced, their lands taken, my lands drowning. Earlier in this episode, I mentioned the Just Stop Oil campaign, when they had a fantastic roster of panellists, including activists, professors, TV presenters, politicians and trade unionists at their talk. And one of the best messages I heard at the talk was that we need a global collective approach, for example, uniting with organisers within the transport industry, where skilled workers are advocating for funding to make our transport systems more environmentally friendly. So let's get back to the chat with Small Island Big Song, where we now touch on this theme of unity. Um, I think for me, like, um, you know, we were talking about Lisboa Sunset, and the, the thing I really learned from, from working on this project um, is, you know, although we, we say, oh, I'm from Taiwan, you're from Mauritius, um, you're from Marshall Islands, but, you know, these borders were not, were not there um, when when the seafarers were um, sailing on, on, on the ocean and these borders didn't exist. And, and what I learned about, about like connecting with all these musicians is like, you know, we, if we can all see um, the, the strength in unity, um, the things that can bring us together, um, the things that, you know, ocean actually doesn't separate us, but unites us, unites all, all our islands. Um, we will have better um, position going forward as a, as a united ocean. Um, and or our island, one island earth we all share. And that, yeah. you know, that's the metaphor there theme of that project yeah and, and often i i look back like seven years ago tim and i we were standing on the desert highway and took a photo and it, it, it was really just the two of us and a, a, a car <laughs> and now when we are on tour um we have a bus full of people um everyone you know we share the same dream and and mission and it really felt like a, a big family that expand across the ocean and that really gives me hope that you know I think I think um, unity can really bring us strength. Just want to share. There's a a sentence I really like um, when you know it says when you have when you have a dream, um, draw a circle as big as you can so there's space for others to step in. Yeah, um, and that's sort of like a what do you call the uh, like a quote for, like driving me to to be on this path or that is wonderful i love that <laughs> idea i just i keep getting so many tidbits of wisdom that is just unexpected but i really love that idea <laughs> i love it it's 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 so true we can't we can't do it alone 
We all yeah, have we something to have managed this without all that support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 My partner keeps saying to me, um, <laughs> he's from East London. So he's like very kind of like, it sounds very cockney, which I love, but it's like, I'll say, oh, you know, I don't know. It's difficult to figure out your place and like what what's the right thing to do and how to use your skills. You'll say it takes all sorts. And I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> it really it does. does. <laughs> Brilliant. That is it. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's it. yeah. As we reach the final segment of this episode now, we'll hear from musician Michael Stanton as we respond to the idea of system change and what this means on an individual level in terms of challenging the dominant culture. Michael has visited and been influenced by many different cultures, including Indian folk and devotional music, Kuali music, spelled Q-A-W-W-A-L-I. He also worked with Seku Keita, spelled S-E-C-K-O-U-K-E-I-T-A. Senegalese Griot, G-R-I-O-T, Cora Player, who was a local storyteller and musician. Michael's also spent time with Lakota people and experienced their spiritual songs in his visits and recently been influenced by Afro-Brazilian spiritual music, which has roots in West African Yoruba traditions. He's also worked with a Gnawi called Mohammed, whose music comes from the Moroccan Gnawa tradition, and that's G-N-A-W-A. Let's hear from Michael now about what these musical traditions mean for him. So I've been playing music um, with various different people over the years um, in these various different traditions and finding ways um, to marry different cult- cultural styles, but knowing that there, there, there is a spiritual theme um, that somehow connects a, a, an ancient past um, with a kind of modern response um, of, of healing, of, of trying to restore... Um, a kind of um, sanity like in a world that seems to be kind of running away with itself through technology and through the development of progression. There's something about the roots in these cultures that I find very, very grounding and um, help me to kind of humble myself um, knowing that, that there's something that's come before me that's very, very ancient and something in its ancientness has been around for so long and is actually a very sustainable culture. So this talk of sustainability in modern culture, um, I feel there can be a lot of uh, information that we can kind of gleam and, and, and knowledge that we can gleam from the way that older cultures have lived. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean I want to over-glorify um, uh older cultures but I think that the fact that they are so old and that they have been around for so long and they have continued to live um, like show is a testimony to the fact that they have a kind of wisdom tradition that Mm -hmm. for some reason we have uh, lost touch with like we don't really have so much an intact sense of our ancestry and our ancestral traditions in this part of the world Mm -hmm. because there's been so much breaking down of the culture for various different reasons including the witch hunts and different kinds of things around religion and different kinds of influences that have been you know destroying the indigenous Mm -hmm. cultures all over the world and that happened here a long time ago so how can we get to that Mm -hmm. how how can we get to those roots well someone like um, Martin Pactel like he says that what we need to do is um, imagine what it could be like if we did have that 
and then work with everything that we've got with as much intuition and as much honesty as possible to live from our hearts in a way to like try to um, imagine and reimagine what we want to see in the future and know that we probably won't achieve it in this lifetime. Know that we won't achieve it. But somehow we will have something that we can pass on to our to, to the next generation and then we become people that are worth descending from and something in that aligns us with a very strong ancestral energy because the point is is that like we wouldn't be here if the ancestors weren't strong because you know we're alive and they were, they were alive and they were alive and they were alive so somehow in us the memory is in there and if we're willing to pass that on and like with with the knowledge that they are going to inherit something hopefully by gen generation by generation we will begin some kind of ancestral um awareness of what came before us you know and it's like it's just something that we have to rebuild and it takes a lot of imagination and it takes a lot of openness and it takes a lot of um being bold enough to you know i kind of feel that that like you know the rites of passage work that i've done with um with lakota people um, they've been very, very, I just want to give a shout out because like, you know, they've really, you know, the people that I've, that I've done that with, they've been so generous to open their ceremonies, their traditional ceremonies to me and to other people that I know, because obviously, you know, they, they have suffered at the hands of my ancestors and the culture that came from this place to try to protect their ways, like, you know, through all this kind of cultural um, cleansing and uh, genocide, being forced not to do these things. And so, like, for them to then reach out and say, okay, you want to know about these things, I'm going to show you. And it's not going to be easy. And, like, you know, I have to go with respect. But what they've got is something intact and they're still, you know, and it's it's not without pain and it's not without like like different kinds of um, difficulties. Um, and it's not without their own um, their own traumas, you know, but what they have intact is something of a wisdom that says human beings are all basically the same. And if you put yourself through these kinds of experiences, your soul will grow in these kinds of ways and you become more self-aware. And through that self-awareness, we can become in service um, to everybody else and we can become a part of a conversation where we are learning to listen to the, to, to, to the earth itself. And we are then participating in repairing what has been broken. And there are different traditions from around the world that seem to know that. And by me walking through those... Um, rites of passage and I haven't done tons you know but doing those few things has helped me to kind of like go oh wow like to to somehow question my own cultural assumptions and to kind of unhook my my own kind of a uh, mindset for for a little while alone on the on a mountain for four days no food no water this kind of thing you know and somehow get in touch with something that's common to all the human beings something that that is that is vital for, to us all and there's something in that that there's some feeling in that 
that's been going on for a really long time in all the cultures, including in our culture. So it's like these other cultures, they provide, like, that they're offering sometimes something that we can uh, kind of explore that can, that can help us to um, remember something very essential about who we are. So we've reached the end of our episode today and we're being played out by Michael's wonderful track, Nana, a traditional Brazilian song which he's told me means all night and all day we sing for Nana or we hear Nana singing. And Nana is an Orisha, uh, spelled O-R-I-X-A, existing as the great-grandmother of the universe from which all life emerges. I really hope you've enjoyed hearing from some alternative voices in the ecological movement, emphasising the role of artists and how art and music can help us reimagine our roles as custodians of our planet Earth to bring us closer to nature. So in chronological order of the campaigns and projects we've explored, you can find Mahesh, who played the tabla for us on Instagram at mpmusic underscore underscore underscore. The ASAP Science Duo are on YouTube and have lots of interesting videos, which you can find the one that I referenced if you search ASAP Science Sustainability. You can find the stream of the Just Stop Oil panel talk from the 2nd of August 2022 on YouTube with links to panellists' social media in the description. The Dawn of Humanity is on sale at most booksellers. You can find Small Island Big Song on YouTube, Instagram and on their website smallislandbigsong.com. Do keep an eye on their socials as they're going to be doing a European tour soon. You can find more of Michael's music at michaelstantonmusic.com, including the work of his partner Alex, who you can find at A-L-I-X-T-H-O-R-P-E at bandcamp.com. Michael also recently produced a beautiful album called El Rio de Bajo del Rio with Julia, and her last name is G-E-L-P-K-E, which you can also find on Bandcamp. Finally, I would also recommend following BLM UK on Instagram as they have posts explaining the climate justice movement. That's BLM UK. And if you enjoyed hearing about the art of diaspora across the Pacific Ocean, you might want to look up the Inter-Island Collective who have a website with lots of brilliant content as well. Thank you so much for tuning in today and please share if it resonated with you. Sending love and blessings to all our listeners. Thank you for listening to amplify the podcast emerging futures this series was produced by myself amy parks with special thanks to marla axon esme lewis gartside sarisha kumar courtney youssef max sanderson arden fitzroy jaja muhammad carl blackburn and the awards for all fund from the national lottery if you'd like to find out more about the rise collective and support us to continue the work that we do you can visit our website at www.theriscollective.org.uk or check us out on social media at The Rise Collective UK or on Twitter at Rise Amplify. We'll see you next time. Yeah.